channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution, an economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources, into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. I'm Ed Kless with my friend and co-host Ron Baker, and on today's show, we're going to talk about Scroogeonomics, why you shouldn't buy presents for the holidays. Well, happy Thanksgiving, Ron. You too, Ed. How come you've never bought me anything for Christmas? <laughs> because Ed, I know there's a dead weight loss to Christmas gifting, and I don't want to contribute to that in the economy as a whole. So you've never gotten me anything for Christmas, Ron. And what's this dead weight loss crap? <laughs> <laughs> We've been friends for ten years. I've never. Then again, I've never gotten you anything for Christmas either. So, but what are we talking about today, Ron? We're talking about Scroogeonomics and this really interesting book by Joel. Wald Fogel, I think that's how you pronounce it, Val, or maybe it's Wald Fogel, maybe it's, he pronounces it with the V, who knows. Right, right, well, I, 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 that would be my guess, yes. And he, he believes that we should not spend money, we should not buy gifts for the holidays, and here we are, this is broad, being broadcast on the biggest shopping day of the year, Black Friday, and we're going to tell everybody they should save themselves the time, energy, and not buy gifts for people, because there's a... The economist in us is telling us that there's a dead weight loss. First, you got to explain that term. Tell us what a, what is a dead weight loss, Ron? Well, that's when you receive something that has got little or less value than the person giving it to you paid for it, right? So people, when they buy a gift for like a colleague maybe at work or if they're part of Secret Santa and you, you're thinking about your coworker and you go, well, I know Ed Goff, so I'll get him this you know, this wine holder in the shape of a golf bag. And one of the things that he points out in this book is, okay, it costs the economy $10 to make that, but the value to you, Ed, of receiving that gift is zero. So right. that, would be a, <laughs> that would be a $10 deadweight loss. And that's what Waldvogel here tries to measure across the entire economy. Uh, what is this deadweight loss? And, and the number's staggering. It's it's pretty high, and and this book was I think publication date is what two thousand eight, so it doesn't have some of the latest statistics. But we'll get into that. We'll talk about some of the the later stats because we have done some research on at least the numbers that are were for two thousand thirteen and projected for two thousand fourteen as well. Right, and then I, this it's a two thousand and nine book, and and I remember I, um, I I saw this book at you know I don't know I think it was a Barnes and Noble probably buying Christmas gifts for people. Um, I tend to give books, uh, but. 
it, and <laughs> this this is a little book. Uh, I've actually got the hardcover. I know you've got the electronic version, but this is a little book. And on the cover, there's a little girl sitting on top of a Christmas gift, and she's crying. <laughs> <laughs> and when I saw Scroogeonomics, what a great title! I said, ah, "I got to buy this." Well, come to find out that this was based on a paper that he wrote. What is it in the econo- in the American Economic Review in 1993 called? The Deadweight Loss of Christmas. <laughs> and the reaction from e- even other economists who tend to be, you know, very utilitarian was bah humbug. You On know, him, this, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to say, ever since I read it, and uh, I've, uh, it's very entertaining from, from an eco- – I mean, you, you don't get to say that about many economics books that you laugh when you read it. But this guy is funny in a very kind of twisted way. And it, but it's not. It's important to say it's not tongue in cheek, is it? It, it? He's very serious about it. I mean, he goes about it methodically, goes through all of the his statistics very methodically, as if it were a uh, a, 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 a real economics paper. He he does. He, he has he has got a very methodical approach to it. He approaches this like how most economists approach any topic they look at. Um, you know, like uh, like uh, I'm reminded of Gary Becker talking about the death penalty, or or when they step outside of the economic realm, like you know, you know the economics of a family, and and they do do things very methodically on opportunity cost and marginal value and all that, and that's kind of how he's looked at this, and I think has has uh, shed some very interesting insight into this uh, social custom of gift giving. I, I agree. There's a, a good place for us to start, I think, because it's something that we've talked about on the show before, which is the four ways to spend money, which is concept developed. I, I don't know if it was developed, but I first heard it on Milton Friedman's Free to Choose. And I think I explained it the last time. So for the benefit of our readers, our listeners who've heard the show before, why don't you explain the four ways to spend money this time? Okay, if you do one of those four square boxes, you know, that we always say you could rule the world. If, the two-by-two, yeah. The, the two-by-two uh, box. And uh, across the top of the two, you, you have, um, you know, you and you have someone else. And then down the right-hand or the left-hand side, you have, uh, what is it, Ed? You, you and someone and, else. And you and someone else. Is, uh, in, in other words, whose money, right, are you spending? Right. So you can spend your money. On you, which is the first category, the top left box, category one, we call it. And that's, you know, if you're buying a car for the family or something, you're going to shop around. You're going to read consumer reports, maybe talk to friends who have that make and model. And you, when you start to get serious, you go down to the dealer, you test drive it, you pick out your color, your options, all that. In other words, what you're trying to do in category one is try and get the biggest bang for your buck that you can. You're trying to maximize your purchase, maximize your value, whatever that might be, performance, safety for the family, you know, whatever it is that you look for in a car, you're certainly going to do a better job spending your own money on yourself than if you gave me your annual salary and I purchase things for your family because I don't know everything about you. It's just kind of a knowledge problem. So category one tends to be, it's not so much that we're price sensitive, is that we're value conscious. We're very conscious to make sure that we try and maximize that value. Well, sure. And, and, but even, it doesn't even have to be on a major purchase, right? A, a, a Starbucks co- co- cup of coffee. I want, I want my eggnog latte, Ron. 
right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going out Christmas shopping and I want my eggnog latte. This was going to uh, get me Aren't you a fan through. of the pumpkin ones too? Yeah, I do. I do. I have to admit I'm a pumpkin spice latte guy too. Because are are I'm with you on the eggnog one. The pumpkin I'm not so sure about, but the eggnog one I hear. Yeah, that's great. I love eggnog. Yeah, yeah. They got a new one out this the the, the chestnut praline. But anyway, we we digress. But but even it doesn't so again, it doesn't have to be a major purchase. I want that latte more than my four dollars and fifty cents or whatever it is I'm spending it. So it, it gives me I don't know if it's five dollars of pleasure or five oh one or even four fifty one, but it's definitely more than four fifty. Right. Gotcha. And and that's and that's the value that we all get when we when we uh, enter into a transaction, as we've talked about here numerous times. But then Ed, when you're spending your money on someone else, this is kind of an interesting category because as one of the things that Val Fogel does point out is that there's a hierarchy of value here. If that someone else that you're spending on is, say, your spouse, then my guess is you're really going to try and please her and give her something that you know takes her breath away, to borrow a, a slogan from the diamond people. Um, or if you think about a child, you know, an eight-year-old who, who's dying to have this new toy, chances are you're going to be able to really maximize their value. But as you step away further and further from uh, your close people around you, your close relatives, and you start to get into extended family or even colleagues at work or even me buying you a gift, um, I, I'm not exactly sure of your preferences. So, you know, I might get you the Deepak Chopra book. You know, that's why that's what oh, you please. get the brother-in-law, right? <laughs> so it, when you spend your money on someone else, yeah, depending on who it is, you're trying to maximize that value. But you're also not going to spend a lot of shoe leather if it's the brother-in-law's cousin or something. Right. And you've got to just guess at it. And interesting, one of the things, the statistics that came up with this is in 2007 anyway, on average, the average person or I guess it was household bought 23 gifts or for tw- gifts for 23 people. Curiously, that's one of the things that has come down uh, since the recession hit. We, I think the last number we checked, what was seventeen, right, Ron? Right. And so, but but these are the statistics that Voldfogel is using, you know, and and I, it really did hit hit its peak just as he was writing this book. So, in all fairness to the the stats that we're going to talk about, uh, gift giving in terms of maxim maximization of the number of gifts did hit its peak in two thousand seven, right, which was. Prior to the the, the the recession, basically, or the the, the housing meltdown, right, and, and all of that. So, and and it's interesting, Ed, because that that gift giving number that you cite, the seventeen, is from Deloitte and Touche. Mm-hmm. So, an accounting firm that actually tries to go out and 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 count the the number of <laughs> holiday gifts that we're giving. So, you, you could probably uh, you know bet that it's. Pretty reliable. If I Thank God for those accountants, Ron. No kidding. You know, no kidding. I, I, wonder if they, I wonder if they bill Santa by the hour for this yeah. survey. <laughs> I bet they do. <laughs> so anyway, that's category two. And of course, when you're spending someone else's money on you, that's category three. And our, our famous example of this is uh, being on an expense account, right? The, the philosopher Diogenes said that uh, I like wine drunk best at others' expense. Mm-hmm. I mean, is there no greater luxury, Ed, than spending someone else's money on yourself? Oh, that's awesome. That, like you said, it's an, it's an expense account. And, and, you know, when you, especially if you divide it across all of the, quote, shareholders, it's so easy to justify. 
Right, right. It's kind of like when you go out to dinner with a big group of people, you know, and, and uh, you're going to split the bill, then everybody's choices start to escalate. Well, I notice Ed got the uh, tri-tip or the, you know, the filet, so I'm going to get the lobster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and everybody has dessert and a cocktail. And all of a sudden, the, the, the bill, you know, spirals out of control. So there's definitely something to category three. And, and then, of course, the last category is, is, is our favorite because uh, that's category four. That's when you spend someone else's money on yet someone else. Classic right. example here being our wonderful government. Uh, they take money from A, give it to C, and then not only do they not have to care what A thinks about it, but they don't even really have to care what C does with it or if it has any impact on C at all. Because there doesn't seem to be a feedback loop, does there, when you're doing this? At least, Ed, if you go out on your expense report for your company and you have, you know, you raid the mini bar and you eat the expensive cashews and you upgrade the flight and you have lobster at dinner, at least your boss can ask you, hey, Ed, how'd you enjoy that last trip? You right. know, there'll be, there'll be some feedback loop. There isn't in government. Right. And curiously, this is one of the troubles with specifically holiday spending in Category 2. So now we're back to Category 2, which is gift giving. But one of the things that Volfogel uh, talks about is the fact that there is a less of a feedback loop on the gift giving during the holiday season. Right. He actually equates this, and this is what I this is what I find so funny. I mean, this is this is funny in an ironic sense that he's applying some of these economic and even <clears throat> corporate principles to, to to the whole holiday spending thing. But he says this is the principal agent problem, right? We talked about this in the corporate social responsibility show where we talked about you know you're an agent of the principals who own Sage, right? The Sage mm-hmm. shareholders are the principals. You're you're part of management. You're an agent. And they hire auditors to make sure that you're spending their money wisely. Uh, but when, you're, when your grandmother gives you, you know, your mother-in-law gives you his example, the mother-in-law gives you a cribbage board, and you say, oh, gee, thanks for that cribbage board. <laughs> you shouldn't have. <laughs> and, and, and his point is, indeed, you shouldn't have because you just destroyed a bunch of <laughs> economic value because now I've got to go stand in line and return this thing or re-gift it to somebody else who's also not going to like it. Well, in a way, that's the trouble, right? We're, we're, actually, uh, we're actually obliged to pretend that we're grateful, and we, have to, we, and we teach our kids this, too. It's like, no, okay, whatever you get from Aunt Crazy Aunt Sally, it's, I mean, it's a joke in every family. It, just, it you know, I know, if you, I know she's going to give you a pack of Lifesavers, and that's all you get. <laughs> so you just got to, like, say thank you, <laughs> nod your head, and just say think it's the best damn pack of Lifesavers you've ever gotten. And and you have to when you get home you have to write her a thank you card. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wonder he do, now he doesn't take that into account, does he? No, but he does mention it and says, you know, this makes it even a, a bigger dead weight loss if we counted for this too. Um, so so folks, when uh, when we come back. Um, we're going to dive more into this because it really is kind of funny. And uh, But first, uh, we want to remind you that you can uh, find information about our show. We do post show notes at the end of every show at verisage.com slash TSOE. You can also contact Ed and myself at TSOE at verisage.com. And we have been getting emails from folks with some questions, and, and hopefully we'll be able to deal with those. And... Um, now, and you can also follow us live on Twitter at uh, hashtag TSOE. But now we want to hear from our sponsor, Leading Results. 
Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You've experienced it. Marketing and selling has changed dramatically in the last few years. The search engine has completely altered the way customers buy. Your clients are now driving the process their way. At Leading Results, we know how to work with this. We don't just jump in and start doing. Together, we plan your marketing strategy. Install a website that gets results and create lead generation programs that drive sales. Visit leadingresults.com slash TSOE to find out more and to schedule a 30-minute conversation with us. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. We've been talking about screw genomics today, and we've been using this term deadweight loss. And again, what that means is the the losses to one person that are not offset by the gains to someone else. So if somebody buys me a gift and it costs them $10 and it's only worth $8 to me, then there's a deadweight loss to the economy of, of, of $2. Now, what's interesting is that that's roughly pretty close to what Volfogel has found in total and that he thinks that approximately the, the deadweight loss is approximately 18% across the board. Now, he does say, and, and, and Ron brought this up, that if you get a gift from a spouse, significant other, that in many cases it's it's worth to them probably about 102%. Uh, so they're going to get m- maximum satisfaction. But the further and further away that you get, you know, siblings are about 99%, parents and friends somewhere between 91 and 97%, and then, you know, aunts, uncles, grandparents, somewhere between <laughs> 75 cents and 80 cents on the dollar. So in total, it's about an 18% loss, deadweight loss to the economy, which is interesting because the total numbers that he comes up with, and again, these are 2007 numbers. And we do have some updates on this, but uh, U.S. givers spent $66 billion in 2007 and therefore produced a deadweight loss of $12 billion in less satisfaction than this would have brought if they had uh, purchased, used that same money themselves. So an annual deadweight loss of $12 billion. And then he goes on to point that if, if Christmas were a government program, the Citizens Against Government Waste would classify the whole thing as deadweight loss. <laughs> Because that's one of the things he points out. The Citizens Against Government Waste actually found about $17.2 billion in the 2008 federal government budget. And and here's a $12 billion waste from holiday gift giving. And he's saying, you know, look, this is this is an astronomical number. It is a big number. 
Yeah, uh, yeah, and and now and he's not even taking in, into account like all of the 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 and we we don't think we're not talking labor theory of value here. We're t- we're talking opportunity cost and the you know the 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 time that it takes to shop. <laughs> this this is just the dead weight loss and dissatisfaction to, of the gift. Yeah, Ed, it, it, he what, what's he saying here about the uh, the time we spend shopping? Isn't it like two billion hours shopping in December alone? Crazy the, number. Two point eight. I'm sorry. Two point eight billion hours. Just to put that in context, folks. The old Soviet Union before it imploded. You know, they had a queuing system, which is, of course, one of the ways that we can allocate resources. Right? You can do it through free market exchange, where we, you know, swap money, or you can do it through force. I can put a gun to your head and. And take your property by force, or we can do it by queuing. Well, the old Soviet Union did it by queuing. And it was really funny because in the old Soviet Union, you stood in three different lines. So you stood in a line to go pick out the product. You stood in another line to pay for the product. And you stood in a third line to, to actually receive the product. I mean, this had to be a system devised by our post office. Um, but, Ed, they spent 35 billion man hours standing in line. In the old Soviet Union, on an annual basis, on an annual basis, and of course, yeah. this was this was from the eighties, so it's you know right before they imploded in the late eighties. So this is the latest number we we have, and uh, th- that's a phenomenal number. I mean, we're spending roughly ten percent of that <laughs> in, in December trolling around malls, so I can buy you a you know a wine holder shaped like a golf bag. <laughs> Which I love those. Those are my favorite. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> no, really. And, and, and <laughs> indeed, and 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 certainly it doesn't account. Yeah, you know, one of the things he he says, kind of tongue, this is tongue in cheek, and he says, you know, no pun intended, but Christmas is is not an aspirational thing. We don't no, we don't aspire to do this. It's it's more like the cross we have to bear. <laughs> <laughs> and and. and but to that end, he really does go through the 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 analytics on why Christmas is more would be more classified as a necessity, correct in spending. Which I found that particular section of the book absolutely fascinating. That it, that it, it's more like buying food than it is like buying a luxury item on yourself. It's considered an absolute necessity. If you if you don't purchase Christmas gifts, the social mores are harsh, really harsh. Yeah, it's 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 um you know he, he it's definitely not a luxury good because our spending on it doesn't necessarily increase with our income, right? We still may buy the stupid golf bag for our coworker, even though you know we're a lot richer. Um, but it, it it's it's something that we have to do, so it is. It's like a normal good, or maybe even some would say an inferior good, which I think he talks about too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but but Ed, let's talk about how he came to his measurement because we we talked uh, when we were prepping for the show that there's a couple different methodologies he uses that throw off different valuation numbers and and you are you've already kind of given the hierarchy of value that you get roughly 102% of value when you give something to your significant other when you give something to a sibling it's 99% and and when you give something, get something from your parents, it's like ninety seven percent, and it goes down as you get to the grandparents and the aunts and uncles and other extended family, the seventy five percent. But how did he come up with that? What was he, he used a methodology, two different questions that yielded two different answers, which I thought was very interesting from a behavioral economic standpoint. 
Right. Well, the you know first thing he did was it had to try to classify. Okay, how much is is spent actually on gifts, right? And because he 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 did say, well, it's relatively easy to find out how much more is spent on average in December and late November versus all of the other months because there's plenty of statistics going back a lot of years on those. So we, but then he said, well, I do have to separate out, you know, food because he wasn't even talking about the in- increased amount that we spend uh, eating during the holidays either. Right. He, he, he still considers that you spending money on yourself, although in a lot of cases you are, you know, having people over, but I guess that cancels it, itself out over the course of the entire economy. Right, right. Um, so he just wanted exclusively gifts. But then what he did is he did he did a survey uh, and where he asked uh, the two really interesting questions. And I believe the first question was is what what do you believe the person paid, right? And then the second question was is what would you sell it for? Right. And what I thought was fascinating, and I think you pointed this out in our prep work, is that the second question often yielded a higher number, meaning they would – I think they paid this, but I would sell it for this price. And it was oftentimes higher than what they thought the person paid, which I guess is – there's an explanation for that, isn't there? Yeah. It actually turned out to be when they asked him what, what they thought the giver paid for it, it was, it was actually 66%. Of what the giver paid, and when they at, and he asked them, um, "What's it worth to you?" Or he asked that in another way too. Ed, he said, "What would be the point where you would be indifferent to keeping the gift or right. having cash?" Having cash, what would right. be the cash indifference point? And that yielded eighty-seven percent, and it made me think of the endowment effect. Once we own something, we value it more. I think we talked about this in the first and second law of marketing shows or, or, or the Homer Simpson, Mr. Spock show where we talked about some of the behavioral economic effects like framing and anchoring. But the endowment effect says once I own something like a Super Bowl ticket, I won't sell a Super Bowl ticket for, say, even $1,500, even though I wouldn't pay $1,500 for it. Right. We value it more once we own it, which is why the pet store loves to give you the puppy, you know, to take home for a week. Because once you own it, you're sunk. Right. Mattress places, same kind of thing. It's just a little it's, – it's easier for them. They'll give the, the unconditional guarantee because very, very few come back. And it's really a pricing mechanism in a way. Right. And you know what's interesting? And I don't know why I thought of this, but because I've seen this experiment. You know how some car companies used to let you take it home for a day or two? I think Ford did this. I think one of Mitsubishi or somebody else did this. And you know what? You don't see that very much. And you know, maybe the endowment effect takes much longer with a car. And it might be because we're so used to renting them. That could be. That, that, that makes a lot of sense from a behavioral standpoint. I've, I've I've never really thought of. I don't know why that popped into my mind, but it did. So I just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah. But, but that's how he came. That's that that eighty seven percent. You know, and he kind of takes an average of all these different measurements, and he comes up with what you said. You know, the twelve percent. What, what is it? Twelve percent mm-hmm. dead weight loss. So right. on average, folks, when you give a gift to somebody, it, it's going to be about they're going to get about eighty eight percent of the real value that or or the the price that you paid for it. They're going to get. 88% of that in, in terms of how they're going to measure its value. In real cash. Real, in, in, in real, real cash. Yeah. Right. And, and we, Go ahead, Ron. No, no. That, that, that's, that is a significant deadweight loss when you're talking about spending you know, $66 billion in 2007. And, and, and like you said, what was the uh, 
2013 number, Ed, that we spent yeah, on we just on this? We just, just, just came up and looked at the, the numbers here on the 2013 numbers. Uh, holiday spending. Okay, here it is. 2013 numbers were $71.3 billion, and it's anticipated right now that we will, in 2014, spend $77.5 Right. And, you know, I, I didn't plug those into a, a, you know, inflation calculator, but I would imagine that $66 billion back in 2007 would be pretty close to around that 71.3 in 2013, six years later. So it's kind of remained flat. It but- has remained flat. And, and in fact, the, the, there, there was obviously a big, big downturn in, uh, from 2008 to 2009. And that so that that was huge. In fact, that was a huge downturn. And it really isn't until the last couple of years that we've gotten uh, approached uh, anywhere close to the 2007 numbers. So uh, pretty interesting that 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 this thing has happened. In fact, in 2008 was the only year in the last 20. I'm sorry, in the last 15 years where people said they were going to spend significantly less than they did. The, the previous year, all other years, it's it's a little bit higher, and, and in 2014, it's again supposed to increase. Uh, or actually, people 69 percent of people said that they were going to spend more this year. Right, and and the other thing that that Deloitte and Touche survey does is not only tries to measure the, the the aggregate amount that we spend on gifts, but it also tries to count the number of average gifts that each one of us gives, and that's thrown off some very interesting t- t- statistics as well that we should probably talk about after uh, we take the break, Ed. Yes, and our next break is going to be from Azamba, but before we go there, I want to just let you know that you can always email us at TSOE at com. That's the initials for The Soul of Enterprise. You can follow us on Twitter at hashtag TSOE, and of course get show notes and previews to next week's show at com slash TSOE. But as I said, let's take a break and we will return after this word from Azamba. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. What if you could close more business with less effort and do it faster? What could your people accomplish if they had their own personal assistant keeping track of meetings and reminding them of follow-ups? What would it mean to have a perfect view of what your team and your prospects and your customers are doing? What if you could run your business from anywhere? You can have it all. Visit www.azamba.com forward slash soul today to find out how. That's azamba, A-Z-A-M-B-A dot com forward slash soul. What makes great leaders? Results? A lasting legacy? Is it making a difference in your life or maybe the lives of others? I lead. The Leadership Connection with host Dr. Linda Sharkey will bring you the practical tips and tools to make you an extraordinary leader and by doing so, build a better, more successful and more profitable organization. Our show is all about you, the leader that you can be and the culture that you can create. Tune in to I Lead, The Leadership Connection, live every Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go, on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You 
are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about the book by Joel Baldfogel, Scroogeonomics. Why You Shouldn't Buy Presents for the Holiday. And it's tongue-in-cheek, but it's also, I think, it got a very interesting point. Is, uh, I, I like the one economist who blurbed the back of the book, Eddie, said, Waldvogel uh, is one of the smartest and funniest economists on the planet. I think of him every time I start to unwrap a present. <laughs> Buy Scroogeonomics for your friends and family. It makes the perfect Christmas gift. And I have to say, it does. If you've got anybody who, who enjoys economics and kind of looking at it from a, a warped side, um, this is a great gift. And it's a quick read, too. It's a very short book. Yes, yes, but uh, really well done. And you know, I, I I just don't think it's tongue in cheek. I think he's serious. I think it's got it's got some funny moments, but it's not tongue in cheek. I think he's serious about his concept here. Well, you, you know, he one of the things he does say is, "I wish you a, a happy and efficient holiday." <laughs> <laughs> And after our opening show where we declared our independence from the ty- tyranny of Taylorism, I, I kind of recoil at that word. But but economists use that word a little bit differently. But uh, it's still, it, you, you might be right. It, it, this isn't tongue-in-cheek. I know he got a big backlash when he, when he published the paper. But, Ed, you mentioned that the Deloitte survey said that we went from uh, an, giving an average of 23 gifts down to 17. Mm-hmm. So th- that's really interesting to me. I would have thought, uh, just knee-jerk reaction, that in the world of social media from 2007 to 2013, you know, that we can now friend so many people on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, the gift-giving would have gone up. But maybe it's become a substitute. That's very possible, you know. But but in the long run, what what I found one of the interesting chapters in this book talked about the fact that we perceive right now that we've had this over consumerization of Christmas. And to be clear, you know, I complain about it every year. I, I it annoys me when I see commercials that are on TV before not just Thanksgiving, but. Halloween. Halloween. <laughs> I, I totally agree. Totally agree. That, that you, you, posted something, you posted something very funny on your Facebook page um, around that time before Remind Halloween. Remind me. I don't know what it was. <laughs> uh, it was every time a, a Christmas song is sung. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was a, it was a meme. that was an, Any time a, a, a Christmas light blinks, an elf kills a reindeer. <laughs> <laughs> Before Halloween, that is. But I love it. <laughs> but this consumerization, in fact, if we, you know, when you watch the Charlie Brown uh, Halloween special, <laughs> there's there's a there's a segment where that where you know they're talking about Christmas already, <laughs> and I think even in the Easter one, Charles M. Schultz uh, pulls some punches and says, you know, only 287 shopping days until Christmas on the Easter special. Right. Um, so it's so it's it's clearly something that that has been perceived at least that's been on the rise but Volvogel proves pretty beyond a shadow of a doubt at least in my mind that it it that cr- the consumeration of christmas has not gone up at all if anything it's remained flat or even decreased slightly since say the 1930s which 
honestly shocked me. But when you run the numbers, it makes a lot of sense. And mostly because of the benefit to the economy that we've really gotten from from entrepreneurs who have created all of this stuff that we have at ready for it cheaper prices yeah like like can you say china yeah <laughs> and 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 other countries that and walmart uh well, yeah one of the things and let's just go look at those numbers ed because one of the things he talks about is in 2007 we spent approximately uh per capita 218 dollars on holiday gifts and in the 1930s we spent $75. Now, those are both adjusted, you know, 2007 uh, inflation-adjusted dollars. But he points out that the share of the economy devoted to holiday spending has fallen by half. In other words, that $75 was on a much smaller based size economy. Less so, disposable income. Yeah. So, and, you know, I think of my favorite, uh, my favorite holiday movie uh, this time of year is The Christmas Story, The Kid with the BB Gun. And I think about the You'll shoot man. your eye out, Ron. You'll shoot, yeah, you'll shoot your eye out. Uh, great, because, boy, did every, every little boy heard that when he asked anybody for a BB gun. That was, that was the absolute dead-on dead reaction. Um, but, you know, you think about buying that gun back in the 40s, or I think it was the 40s when that, that uh, story was to have taken place. And think about it today, my guess is it takes a lot less labor hours to earn the, the equivalent of that BB gun today than it did in the 40s when his old man bought it for him. Oh, without question. And, and to think what you can do with a gift that is of, I guess, even similar value. I'll take, for example, we got our, our kids last year. Both of them got iPads, mini, iPad minis for Christmas. Wow. And, you know, yes, 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 expensive gift. And probably I would say in, in line with, with the, the, the uh, Red Rider, uh, which was the, which was the gun um, from in terms of probably, you know, his dad spent a lot of money on that. But here's the thing. What are my kids able to do with the iPad? Like yeah. lots of things. Not yes, they can do play a shoot 'em up game on there, but they can also read and do schoolwork and sure. play uh, golf games or baseball games or or, or learning whatever. games. I would imagine too. You know, yep, lots of stuff. And, yep. 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 Uh, so just you know the functionality for a similar price range. Yet and and as you pointed out, absolutely fascinating. That really, it, in terms of r- real impact on the economy, it's been cut in half where half the consumers we were in than we were in the 30s right so you know his whole point is we didn't invent the commercialization of christmas here i mean christmas has kind of always been commercialized it's kind of like when people say politics has gotten nastier really go back and read some of the presidential (laughs) elections (laughs) from the 1800s and you tell me you want to see nasty and ad hominem attacks yeah the election of 1804 specifically between John Adams and, and, and Jefferson, very nasty stuff going on. And Ed, just you brought up the you giving your kids iPads. Uh, I, I, did you happen to see the story on why Steve Jobs wouldn't give his children iPads? I did not. Tell I, me this. I, 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 I didn't read it, unfortunately. It was something okay. I saw on Facebook. Uh, and and uh, yeah, he, he, was, he didn't let his kids have iPads. And he had a very specific reason, so we'll have to we'll have to uh, look that story up and, and find out what that was. I will. Uh, well, there are some days that I guess I would have to say that I would agree with him because they do they do make us crazy. That you know, here's here's the balance as a parent. Uh, I'm absolutely thrilled that my kids 
to this day play with their iPads regularly and that it wasn't a wasted Christmas gift in terms of what what we're talking about here today, Scroogenomics, definitely worth more than 102% to them right. without question, right? right? But, but here's the thing. It makes me crazy because sometimes I'm like, okay, it's time for dinner. No, really. Again, I got to rip the stupid thing out of his hands. <laughs> right, right. It, it's kind of like when you go out with your cell phone, right? Dad, can I play with your phone? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the reminder. But we do, we do, we do not allow them to take the iPads out of the house, except perhaps to grandma's house or if they're, they're going someplace specifically. Uh, sure. So. We try to we try to keep that at a minimum. Although though it has cost me money because my 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 son Sean wants me to, wants us to get one of the new uh, cars that have Wi Fi in the car. So he's like, then I can take my iPad. I'm like, no. <laughs> well, that's another thing that uh, that uh, Walt Vogel points out that I found pretty interesting here. Ed was that two thirds of our Christmas spending, the sixty six billion roughly, um, is put on plastic. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another point he makes about the dead weight. He says, and about three-fourths of that amount is not paid off within a month. So he says, not only are we buying these things that create a dead weight loss to the economy, but we're doing it with money we don't have. Exactly. Exactly. You know, interesting. So th- this this quote jumped out at me, you know, getting back to the to, to the, the, the commercialization Christmas not being new. Right. He, and I love this quote. There are worlds of money wasted at this time of year in getting things that nobody wants and nobody cares for after they are got. This is an observer on uh, uh, writing in the passing scene, and the the observer's name was Harriet Beecher Stowe, writing in eighteen fifty. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so, and and you know that 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 is a very good point because his complaint in this book is not the level of spending; it is the waste. Right. That's right. That, He's, that okay that He's okay, He's okay with, with the spending. He's okay with the spending and the consumption. Even he's not happy about the waste, as as economists tend not to be, because they see it as destroying value. Well, and in a way, th- then he equates all of this stuff to the to the progressive income tax. And I, what's your take on that in that section of the book? Yeah, you know, when people talk about the progressive income tax and and, uh, they equate it to like we did price discrimination last week. So what would you think about a merchant that charges, you know, uh, a different price to a rich person for a loaf of bread than a poor person? Well, isn't that kind of what the progressive income tax does? I mean, if you think of a tax as the price of government, which is how I think of a tax, it's a price. It's the price of government. Mm they are certainly charging <laughs> the rich person. You know, Bill Gates pays more for his uh, share of the uh, F-16 fighter than you and I do, right? Because he's got more money. Um, but th- I think the analogy kind of breaks down because we, a tax is a compulsory payment, whereas a free market exchange is value for value, right? We're, we're getting something. There's a quid pro quo. We, we, we're both walking away a winner, uh, and, and each receiving more value than, than what we gave up. And that doesn't happen with taxes. Exactly. And, and I think there's, a, there's, the, there's the key there is that the whole thing about the, the gift is that it is, it is freely given. It is freely chosen. Although he does say you got to give it because otherwise you're looked down upon. Uh, there's, there's a big social stigma if you don't. Right. <laughs> yeah. It, 
And and you know the progressive income tax. I mean the the funniest story I'm reminded of with that how uh, that illustrates there's no value. It's a compulsory payment. Is the 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 gentleman who walks by this newsstand every day and there's a little kid there selling papers every day, and the guy's going to work every day and he he always puts two quarters in the kid's bucket and he never ever takes a paper. And one morning he comes out and he throws the two quarters in the bucket and he walks on and the kid runs after him and says, Mr. Mr. And, and the guy turns and he says, Oh, Sonny, you're probably wondering why every day I give you two quarters, but never take a paper. And the kid says, Oh no, I don't care about that. I just wanted to let you know. Now the price is three quarters. <laughs> so that's kind of <laughs> how I think of taxes. <laughs> oh, very good. Very good. Well, listen, we, we need to talk a little bit about some of the prescriptions that Vol Vogel makes, which, which he does make some prescriptions for what we can do about this waste. And we'll talk about that after our next break. Uh, we're going to hear from Sage Software. But before we go there, I want to let you know that you can email us again at TSOE at Verisage.com. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Uh, hashtag TSOE to follow along on Twitter. And lastly, of course, for show notes, as well as previews of the upcoming shows, please visit verisage.com slash TSOE. But now a word from our sponsor, Sage. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. Four new employees, a 20% increase in revenue. Being one of the 9 million women business owners in the U.S. These are your proudest numbers, your landmarks of growth and success. Sage helps you achieve business milestones with cloud and software solutions that lead to deeper financial insights. Believe in your numbers. See what Sage can do for your business. Visit BelieveInYourNumbers.com today. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Kless. To find out more about our show, visit Verisage.com. You may also tweet us at Verisage. That's V-E-R-A-S-A-G-E. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about Scroogenomics, why you shouldn't buy presents for the holidays. Kind of a a light topic uh, compared to some of the other stuff that Ed and I have been doing recently with uh, Rabbi Lappin and Father Sirico. But um, light, Ed, but still a serious point. You know, as we keep saying here, um, I think you're right. I think uh, uh, Joel Vogel here is is making a, a pretty serious point. And I have to say, it's, it's kind of changed my attitude about this. I actually try now when I give a gift to make it, you know, that much more valuable. It's not just like a mindless purchase anymore. I'm actually trying to get the person something that they like. And 
that's kind of one of the things that's morphed over time, isn't it? It is. It is. And and his prescription, by the way, back in 2007 was was cash. Well, first of all, cash. But he said you can't give cash, especially to your grandmother, unless she's a working girl. And in, if, right. in which case, you got another problem. But <laughs> so, this is but, a very funny book. It folks. is a very this is a very funny book. But so you, you can't give cash, but gift cards. And he said that there's a social stigma attached to gift cards, unfortunately, but that has really fallen by the wayside. In fact, according to the 2014 Deloitte survey, the number two gift behind clothes is, in fact, gift cards this year. Yeah, and, and you know, I think back when he did this survey, Ed, back in 2008, he, he was saying it was, it was about one-third or something. It was much, much lower, yeah. I mean, it yeah. was gifts, gift number seven or eight. It was behind a bunch of stuff, electronics, CDs, all kinds of stuff, yeah. Now, here's a very technical point that I, that I absolutely love about what he says about gift cards. It, back then, about one-tenth of them uh, were, not, were not redeemed. Mm-hmm. So one-tenth of the value of the gift card was never redeemed. Now, he said that's not the same as um, – you know, that's not like, say, 90% of destroyed value or 10% of destroyed value because it's merely a transfer from the giver just to Target. To Target or, or wherever. Or they Apple or card. Right. Amazon, whatever. So that's not, it doesn't, that's it's not a deadweight loss. That's just an income transfer. And that's a very interesting, although technical point, but it, 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 that's not in the deadweight loss number he's computing, those unredeemed well, amounts. True, and and what what's also not there is the fact that even if I spend ninety cents on myself, am I not getting more than ninety cents worth of value? So it's even an upside from that perspective. So say on average, when I buy something for myself, I'm getting maybe a dollar ten or a dollar twenty worth of value. So therefore, it's it's still a, a plus. So gift cards definitely the way to go. But he even has some ways to potentially improve the gift cards, and you're seeing a lot of this out of out of even Apple, who uh, just recently announced that they're doing stuff with, with their red program to fight the spread of AIDS and, and maybe even find a, a cure for AIDS. And that is to say that if, if money that's spent on a gift card goes unused, that it should go directly to it, perhaps a designated charity, which I think right. was, is one interesting way to handle it. Right, because he also talks about a law in California that I actually wasn't aware of, that if, if you've got a gift card that's got less than $10 value on it, then the store has to give you cash. So they're trying to, I guess, make up for some of that unredeemed amount you know, that people never cash in. I find it interesting, Ed. Have you ever let a Starbucks card go unredeemed? No, because they send me texts and emails to let me know. No, I use every penny of a Starbucks card. I, yeah, no, it's well, a I wonder why that is. Same with Amazon too, maybe because uh, that's just because we buy so much from Amazon. But <laughs> well, and the same thing with iTunes gift cards too, because it goes on account, and and you're buying so much of that stuff on a regular basis, it just gets you know knocked down, and eventually you're like, oh, I guess I'm paying for this stuff again. Right, right, and and you know one of the things. This is one of the things that I think Friedman and other people that use these these this uh, two by two square to to explain how we can spend money is if you were really unsure being in category two when you're spending your money on someone else, then you would simply give the person cash and put them back in category one. 
which of course from Wallfogel's standpoint would be quote unquote the most efficient because it would be the highest value. But now these gift cards have kind of substituted for that and they don't have the social stigma attached to, to pure cash giving. Yes, it's much, much better. I mean, I even think about, you know, if I if I had given my my mother a gift card ten or fifteen years ago, I think she probably would have been ticked at me. But now I send her gift cards pretty regularly and she'd be and she's fine with that. It's like, okay, well at least I'll be able to go to the Target or sometimes I'll get it for a restaurant that I know that she likes or something specific to sure. her. And and that's what he's also suggesting is that you know you, you know gift cards that either the remainder goes to a charitable organization or even just giving for people who are wealthy uh, in your lives just directly giving to charity for them because at least the, his theory is is that that's not going to be a dead weight loss that's going to be an in- increase to the economy because a a dollar spent on mosquito netting in Sub-Saharan Africa is perhaps creating maybe even five dollars worth of value uh, in in malaria prevention. Right, right. No, good point. And and the other thing that's really interesting about the book is not he also gives you a little bit of his, his historical perspective on this, like uh, for instance how the USSR banned Christmas in 1917. And uh, Ed, you were saying that uh, they, in Europe they actually spend a little bit more. That's and right. give more gifts per person, and I found yeah. that to be interesting. Yes, yeah, so you think it's just a commercialization in the U.S., but it's not. Euro- Europeans tend to spend a little bit more per person on on, on gifts, and, and a sli- slightly higher percentage of their economy. But he he just has this very funny line, and I think this is a joke that he took from somebody. He says, "Heaven is a place where the police are English, the chefs are Italian." The car mechanics are German, the lovers are French, and it's all organized by the Swiss. Hell is a place where the police are German, the chefs are English, the car mechanics are French, the lovers are Swiss, and it's all organized by the Italians. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of that is the chefs being English. I don't think Gordon Ramsay would agree with that. (laughs) No, definitely not. Now you get everybody mad at you, and I I know know, lots of good – uh, wonderful car mechanics that are French, I suppose. But yeah, absolutely, <laughs> I, you know, I saw that. T- that's a, actually a T-shirt that's got both of those things written on the front and the back, and it's really funny. Maybe you can uh, get it to me for Christmas. <laughs> I don't get your gift set. I don't want to contribute <laughs> to the dead weight laws. I don't know what you like. <laughs> but w- one more point before we uh, go to next week's show. Um, you know, he does talk about, especially with the lowest hierarchy of value here, which is the grandparents and the aunts and uncles, right? He says the problem here is it's the principal agent problem. And the, the, you got to think of the child as the principal and the grandma's the agent. So the grandma's doing stuff and, and she never gets any feedback from, you, you know, the principal. I mean, there's no audit or anything. So there's no feedback loop. <laughs> about she's giving gifts that he doesn't really like because uh, you know, he's still sending her thank you notes and acting like he's happy. And and I just thought, what a what a warped way to look at it. But he's kind of right. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it, it is absolutely correct because it, it, just from a, from a social mores perspective, you can't, you can't have you not liking the grandma gift. Yeah, absolutely. So fortunately, please- we have great grandma gifts in my family, just for the record. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, just in case anybody's listening, uh, please get a hold of Scroogeonomics, why you shouldn't uh, buy presents for the holidays. Joel Waldfogel, that's W-A-L-D-F-O-G-E-L. Of course, we will put this up on our show notes and uh, 
uh, link to it. And uh, I really enjoyed this book. It was it was a great uh, great topic, and I'm glad we decided to tackle this on the biggest shopping day of the year, Black Friday. Absolutely. Hey, what do we got next week, Ron? Next week, Ed, we have uh, our Verisage Senior Fellow, Tim Williams, who wrote Positioning for Professionals. And Tim is one of, without a doubt, one of the smartest people I know. I mean, the guy, he's taught me more about marketing, advertising, branding, specialization, and even purpose. He was on Purpose, Ed, long before we all were on Simon Sinek's TED Talk. So, folks, Ted, uh, t- uh, Tim Williams will be on next week, and uh, Melissa had sent us a question that I'm going to ask Tim about. So, Melissa, we'll get Tim Williams to answer your question, and I think he'll uh, do a great job on that. So, I'm really looking forward to next week, Ed. Absolutely. See you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business in the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage. Supporting small and medium-sized businesses by creating greater freedom for them to succeed. Join us next week on Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific. In the meantime, feel free to visit us at www.verisage.com slash T-S-O-E.